This is Live Well Talk on Heart Attack Warning Signs. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at DD Point Health, St. Luke's Hospital. During Heart Month, which is in February, it's a good time to touch on heart attack warning signs to raise awareness and encourage people to who are experiencing symptoms to get uh, help immediately. And to talk with me today about such is Dr. Todd Longanger, cardiologist at St. Luke's Heart Care Clinic. Welcome, Dr. Longanger. Thank you, Dustin. You know, I think listeners think of Sanford and Son clutching his chest, reaching out for, I believe his wife's name was Elizabeth, as classic signs of, uh, you know, a heart attack. Uh, that's pretty dramatic, but uh, could you take us through what are some common symptoms that uh, people would probably identify with and others that they might not suspect that it is a, a, a sign of a heart attack? Well, the first thing I'd like to do is address the term chest pain. We frequently refer to warning signs of a heart attack as chest pain. That's actually probably not the best way to refer to it. It should be referred to as chest discomfort because patients perceive pain in many different ways. So when I ask a patient about chest discomfort, I use the terms such as pressure, tightness, squeezing, heaviness. And those are the descriptive terms that patients tend to relate to more than just chest pain. Okay, that's a, that's a good point. Um, you know, particularly, I know women uh, typically present a little bit different than men. Uh, I've seen certainly over my career, and I know you've seen it as well, uh, that uh, women might prevent just with fatigue and failure to have their normal uh, stamina. Uh, and uh, is there any other caveats between men and women that you recall? Yeah, women um, tend to more often than men have uh, primary symptoms of shortness of breath associated with or without chest discomfort. So that's always a red flag to me when I'm talking to a woman and she's describing chest discomfort. But I think you hit the nail right on the head. It's critically important to all physicians and APPs and clinicians to realize that women present uh, commonly different than, than men do. I think uh, that I think also pa- patient, in my experience, patients um, might think that a little pressure, as you, you noted, discomfort, uh, they think, well, if this was a heart attack, it'd be a lot worse. And, and it might not be. It might be very subtle. And you correct. I mean, they might sit there and really not be an experience disability, but it's certainly a discomfort and it is representing heart disease. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's amazing the number of times over my career that I've asked patients if they're having chest pain and they say no. And then I might come around and say, were well, you having any sense of like pressure, squeezing or tight? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that I have. So um, that's another reason that I think we should avoid the phrase chest pain when we're talking to our patients or educating them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think proton pump inhibitors, uh, medications for gastroesophageal reflux, which can have some pressure and some discomfort, has that influenced positively or negatively on uh, heart attack and the presentation of heart attacks over your career? Well, um, I think we all recognize that one of the conditions that in many ways can somewhat mimic heart pain is gastroesophageal disease, be it spasm or reflux. Certainly, in my experience, spasm can occur centrally. It can be described in those terms. But when I hear those symptoms, my first job is to exclude the heart. And once I've done that, uh, then I feel pretty comfortable with with either an empiric trial of uh, proton pump inhibitors or referral back to the primary care physician for consideration of EGD 
And, and it's not unusual that uh, patients, look, and I always have them follow up with me um, after I prescribe something, and it's, it's not unusual that they say, yeah, my symptoms are gone with uh, omeprazole. And then I turn them back over to their regular physician. So, it, I mean, omeprazole came out early 90s, right? Mid 90s. I'm not going to say how old you are, uh, but Thank you. You, you practiced prior to omeprazole. Right. So when it, when it came, it probably had a positive influence. So people weren't being falsely thought to be having heart disease with reflux or maybe, maybe it made your job easier. Well, it's just another therapeutic uh, bullet that we have, so to speak. But I, yeah. I think uh, unless you can, unless, I mean, again, going back to the evaluation of chest discomfort, history is the key. So it's not just the descriptor, how it's described. It's also, is there radiation of the discomfort? Does it occur uh, in other unique places that, that GERD typically doesn't, like elbow, jaw, things like that? Um, you know, what are the presenting uh, or the provocative symptoms? It occurs with uh, activity, exertion, stress, whereas GERD is more often associated postprandially. Uh, so, I mean, that historical feature is very correct. Yeah. So there are times that in that situation, the use of proton pump inhibitors, that history is pretty suggestive of a non-cardiac etiology. I'm not sure if I answered your question. No, you did. You did. It's just, I kind of like to ask those historical things as time changes, how things influence uh, both good and bad. On uh... I, I can jump in and say the other thing that used to be in vogue, and you'll remember this very well, is the GI cocktail. Yeah. That patients would get in arrival to the emergency room. That has never been advocated by cardiology professional societies, but it's still used. It's really nonspecific, and um, but that was the vogue many years ago as well. Yeah, yeah. Once you went down to see the patient in the ER, they had the white mylanta. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, so what are uh, risk? What is the risk of waiting for heart disease? I mean outside of death. I mean, I'm sure you can have greater degree of disability or a larger heart attack, correct? Right. And, you know, the phrase that we use in medicine is time is muscle. So uh, we always encourage anybody who has a chest discomfort, again, uh, lasting more than 10 or 15 minutes to uh, get to the emergency room, preferably calling the ambulance. Um, the longer you wait, the more damage it can be done. We know through studies that the, the prime time to get a block blood vessel open is about an hour. Um, the longer you wait after an hour, the less likely you are to get recovery of uh, heart function. So uh, waiting is is definitely not encouraged. And I imagine that uh, proactively, you reduce your chance of heart attack by reducing your risk factors, correct? Yes. The study came out of aspirin for primary prevention. And ha have you, have you, I'm still taking my aspirin every day for primary prevention. I haven't given it up yet. I know this evidence doesn't support it. What's your opinion on that? Well, I, you know, I, I have to go along with our professional society's recommendations. I think the one, the one area um, that it may be considered still is if you have a high 10-year ASCVD risk score, even in the absence of known coronary artery disease. I think in that situation, particularly for males, it is not unreasonable to take a, a low-strength aspirin every day. But um, compared to what I used to do many years ago, you know, we would give it to women, we'd give it to men, say this is going to help reduce your risk. But we now know, uh, unfortunately, that that doesn't help. And in some cases, actually leads to more problems such as GI bleeding, et cetera. Yeah, that was a big change this last two years. 
Well, we always, in these podcasts, there's really great information, but we always ask, what led you to the field of cardiology? Um, and I know that you did your internal medicine at the uh, world's, uh, this hemisphere's most prestigious internal medicine residency. And you were up there yes, with that's uh, true. our good friend, Dr. Russ Adams. You guys were there at the same time, correct? We were there at the same time. Yeah, Russ was right. a year ahead of me, yeah. A year ahead of you. Okay. Well, what got you into cardiology? Well, it's interesting. My my journey to cardiology was a long one. It was not one that occurred quickly. I started out with a goal and a strong desire to be a family doctor in a small town. I grew up in small towns uh, throughout Minnesota and Iowa. My family moved around a lot. A small towns is all that I knew. And the doctors uh, in those small towns were always highly respected. We had great trust in them. And it was something that I thought was ideal for me. So I started my training doing family medicine. And within about two years of that, I realized, uh, you know, delivering babies was nerve wracking for me. I, uh, I was scared to death with every one of them. And I thought, I'm not going to be able to do this for the rest of my life. I, I wasn't comfortable with uh, pediatrics. I was not comfortable with orthopedics. So um, about midway through my family practice training, I realized, you know, this isn't for me. Um, so I decided to go into internal medicine, which, you know, we focus on uh, adult illnesses. And I thought that's my calling. So then I went directly from family practice residency to internal medicine residency at our esteemed place. And uh, the more I got involved in the various subspecialties, I just gravitated towards cardiology. I just thought it was fascinating, um, you know, watching the heartbeat on the echo and going and seeing cardiac catheterization procedures. It just it just resonated with me. I considered briefly others. I considered GI. I actually considered oncology for a while, but for for reasons that I can't fully explain, it it occurred to me that for me, the only thing that I really want to do was practice cardiology. Well, I also think just um, to point out also, you've set the standard in this community for electrophysiology. You've advanced that specialty here. We're grateful for that. And also, Dr. Longager shares a passion for fountain pens, like I do. So, uh, but uh, true. You know, yes. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk about heart attack warning uh, signs. Again, this is Dr. Todd Longager, cardiologist at St. Luke's Heart Care Clinic. For more information about St. Luke's Heart Care, visit unipoint.org backslash CR Heart Hospital or call 319-364-7101. Thanks, Dustin. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.